Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, uh, please take it out and open with me to the book of Philippians, where we will be uh, together in God's Word this morning. Philippians chapter 4 is where we will be. So good to go to the men's retreat this weekend, and I actually got to drive back last night uh, with my good friend Tim Payne, who's, well, he's becoming my good friend. We're just getting to know each other. And uh, I don't know if you're like this, but uh, sometimes when you're driving, and maybe even it's late at night, you kind of have that almost kind of muscle memory as you drive, where you kind of just go in the ways that are familiar. Um, And so even last night, I was thankful that Tim Payne had to remind me a couple times to make uh, certain turns so that I would get to his house and not my house as we were uh, on our way home. Uh, Sometimes when I'd be driving with friends back when I used to live in Texas, they would say, man, you're like a horse going to the barn, right? And I had to ask for clarification, right? That it's just, hey, you're going home, right? You just autopilot on the on the way home, and uh, that was last night. But I think that there's some uh, passages in God's Word that I hope are well-worn in our Bibles, right? That there's certain ones, maybe even this is one in your life, that you're like, man, I've spent time on this page in God's Word, and so it almost kind of just opens to it naturally. And if not that, that this truth is well-worn in your heart. And, and this morning, I think we've, we've got to come back to a passage that may be familiar to some of us, but it's one that I think we're going to have to keep coming back to over and over and over again throughout our lives. So let me read Philippians chapter 4, and we'll be reading verses 6 and 7 together this morning. Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You can see even just as we read these verses that if this isn't a well-worn passage in your Bible, it should be, right? That this is one we're going to turn to over and over again because here's something that I can promise you is that there is going to be time after time, situation after situation in your life that are going to tempt you to worry that are going to tempt you to be anxious, right? Maybe you are already in one right now as I speak to you this morning. Something's been going on today or this week, and it has got you worked up, and you are thinking through it, right? Let me just give you a few examples and see if any of these uh, might be familiar to you. Times where money is tighter, or maybe there's a loss of a job, and you're trying to think through, hey, how am I going to to make it work this month, to, to pay all the bills that I, that I need to. Or, or maybe there was an unexpected bill that came in that I wasn't anticipating. Or as tax season comes up, oh man, what's my taxes going to be this year? Or maybe it's a relationship where you don't quite know where you stand with someone else and you would like to know and you don't know right now, right? Or maybe you're a single person, right? You're not yet married and you've got that other person that your eye is upon and you're wondering what they think about you, right? Um, uh, maybe there's conflict in a relationship that you have with a family member or a coworker, and you're wondering how that's going to work itself out, how it's going to be resolved, or even at work, maybe there, you feel like there's too many demands on your time and, and really high expectations and responsibilities that you shoulder that, you know, with demands from your boss and your clients or, or your coworkers, it seems just too much to handle. Um, or maybe you just think about this, the things of life that you need to get done, and you're trying to think, how am I going to get all this done in the, the hours that I have in this day? 
Or if you think about the future, maybe you're a young person among us this morning and you're trying to think about what am I going to be when I grow up? People ask me that question and there's these thoughts about the future of how it's going to work out or maybe we've just moved from somewhere and we're new or we're moving to somewhere or we're thinking about retirement and how that's all going to work out or our finances or the upcoming political election in our country and what is going to happen with America as a result of that, right? Maybe there's even a situation that you've been dreading or, or anxious about that's coming up this week, uh, and if not this week, it, it'll probably happen soon, where there's going to be pressure, right? Where there's, there's going to be this temptation to worry, this temptation to be anxious. Or maybe it's your kids, and they're not turning out the way that you would like them to, and you are, are eager for them to know Jesus Christ, and they don't yet, right? There's many situations where we could understand why a person would be nervous uh, due to the intensity of the situation, uh, but far too often, I think, in our lives and in our society, we let that turn itself into anxiety, where we take a, a maybe an intense situation, and then we worry about it. We, we churn it over in our, in our hearts, and it, it starts even just kind of eating away at us, and it starts even having maybe physical effects on me, right, that I can't sleep, that I, I can't function, you know, that I start to sweat, like literally, when I'm around certain people or in a certain situation. And it, there's so many in our society, and maybe even somebody that you know, that just seem absolutely like debilitated, that this worry, this anxiety, this, this fear of how everything's going to work out just has them in its grip, right? And it seems for many like it's a grip that, that can't be set free from, right? Our society tries to think, well, maybe it's just our circumstances, right? If I could just get on a vacation, then all of this stress that I'm feeling would just melt away, or maybe I should just get a less stressful job or transition there, or, or maybe I should just work really hard to make things easier on myself, get more me time where I can just sit in my chair with my coffee and a good book and just kind of let the cares of the world just kind of fade away, right? But that's not going to be ultimately possible. You're never going to be able to successfully remove yourself from circumstances that are beyond your control, that, that are challenging, that are difficult, that have intensity. Or maybe, maybe the, the advice that people would give is, hey, you just need to remove those toxic people from your life, right? People that are weighing you down, that are causing you to feel anxious, you just need to say goodbye to those people and live your life, right? How's that going to work at like Thanksgiving or Christmas, right? Maybe some of those people are actually people that you're related to and you're going to be eating turkey with them. Uh, come November, right? Like, how's that? And that's why these situations are so stressful so often and so full of, of tension and anxiety. And then maybe some in our society, we even say, well, it's really a biological problem. And so we need, uh, you know, just the right, you know, kind of blend of medications to manage this and, and to take it, take it away. Uh, and maybe in some of these situations, it kind of mutes it a little bit, but the music is still playing, right? The problem is still there. It hasn't uh, you know, totally been relieved by uh, medication. I'm always just, you know, interested to see these commercials where they say, hey, two out of three people that are on an antidepressant, it's not working for them. And so you need to add this one, that this is now the answer, right? You've got your one that your doctor prescribed for you, but let's get another, and then you'll be good to go. Like, this is the way it works in our society. It doesn't seem like our culture, our society has found the answer to this ever-present problem that we face. But the good news is that there is an answer, right? The good news is that we can be set free. You can be set free from anxiety, 
right? That is the good news that we proclaim at this church, that Jesus Christ sets people free. And those people that he sets free, they are free. And they can live the new life that God has given to them. And that's what basically God is commanding us. Like this command in verse 6, look, let's look at it together. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Like this is a command. This is an imperative in the Bible. It's not saying like, hey, well, if it works out, try not to. This is like something that God is going to hold us responsible for, that he is commanding us to obey. He says, do not be anxious about anything, right? This command is like comprehensive. Like it's, it's, a, it's over all situations, all circumstances. There's never like a, like a loophole or some kind of, you know, exception clause to this command. Well, well, don't be anxious in these situations, but if something really big goes down, in your life, well, then you better start to worry and worry fast, right? You better figure this out. You better get on that, right? That's not what this verse says, right? Then all of these situations, it doesn't say, well, there's big things over here, and then there's small things, right? So, you know, feel free to worry about the big things, but not the the small things that there is never a point in your life that God wants you to worry or to be anxious, right? That's what God wants for your life, Right? Like our society doesn't really believe that's possible, but that's what God commands us to do. So if that's what God commands, and, and he actually expects us to be able to do what he commands, then how's that going to happen in our lives? Let's get this down for, for point number one. We've got to do a few things if this is actually going to be true to our experience, if we're going to be obedient to the Lord. And the first thing is that we need to realize what anxiety is. We need to realize what anxiety is, right? The Kind of the common thought about it is that it's inevitable, right? If I'm around this person, boom, it's going to happen, right? It's like a button that gets pushed. Or if, I, if this kind of thing would happen in my life, I would have no other choice but to be anxious. And we've been talking about David uh, up at the men's retreat. And so let's actually turn to Psalm 131. Uh, keep something in Philippians 4. We'll be coming back here. But turn over to Psalm 131, and we will see that this is a psalm of David. And maybe even as I'm saying this, and you're walking in the room this morning, you're like, I don't really, I'm not really buying it. I'm not really you know, picking up what this guy is laying down. Right? I don't think that what God's commands, that that's actually realistic, that that could actually be true of someone's experience. And, and you're maybe even thinking about your own life and the hard things that are going on, maybe even right now. And you're like, there's no way that in the midst of my situation that this could be possible. And I, I just think if we look at David and uh, his situations that he was in in his life, I don't know how familiar you are with his life, but if David were here, he'd be saying, hey, maybe your circumstances can put on some big boy pants and then we'll talk, right? Like, I mean, his, his challenges that he faced were uh, maybe even quite a bit more intense than the things that you and I go through on a daily basis. I mean, just think about his young life, right? As a shepherd boy, it seems so serene, so peaceful. But David talks about, like, killing lions and bears. I mean, I don't know if you were out in the wilderness with some sheep and there were lions and bears out there. It's like some people don't even want to go camping in certain states because there's like a bear that got sighted once there, right? Like David lived in this. You know, let's talk about facing the, the giant, facing uh, Goliath, the Philistine, this nine foot tall warrior from his youth, right? That's, there's some stress that might go along with that, some intensity. You want to talk about family issues? You want to talk about your extended family? Let's talk about David's father-in-law, Saul, and how Saul was trying to literally hunt him down and kill him. And David is hiding in caves for his very life, 
just a little bit of stress there, right? You talk about uh, maybe something hard like a, like a dear friend dying. What about Jonathan, you know, who's, who's so close and so knit in his heart with David that when Jonathan dies, I mean, what must have that been like, right? That, you know, David was called to be the leader of the armies of Israel. And I've never uh, been in a war, but I, I think that there's some intensity and some pressure that goes along with that from what I read, um, right? Ruling a nation. I, I, I was, you know, you've seen those pictures on Facebook of a president you know, from when they start office and eight years later, kind of what they look like, even physically, there's some pressure, some intensity that goes along with that job. You want to talk about kids, let's talk about your son Absalom trying to, like, actually kill you and take the throne as his own. Like, these are some pretty intense circumstances that David faced. But if you read Psalm 131, let's read this together. It says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Now that, that illustration of the way that David describes his soul may not totally make sense to all of us. I know that for me it didn't quite make sense until I had children, right? That this concept of a, of a young baby and then the process of weaning that young child off of its mother's milk to solid food, that's a process that young parents rejoice in when it happens, right? That we can, we can move on and progress in life. But if you're around a, a mother with a baby and, and the baby is, is hungry, like, like being on its mom's lap is not okay, right? Like, because I want to eat and I want to eat now, right? So this whole like sitting down and trying to like be still on your lap thing, not happening, right? I'm going to be fussy. I'm going to be agitated. Like I've seen my kids do this very thing when they're, when they're hungry. Like they've got one thing on their mind and it's not going to be settled. But then when a child gets weaned, when they're, when they're off of that, there's this ability, right? That, you know, and I even see my kids with my own wife and it's like in the morning when we're watching a, you know, a cartoon or something like that, we've got the Paw Patrol on and it's like, like my kids, they want to go find like my, my wife's lap and my lap, and that's like their favorite spot. And it's just like we sit there, and there's this calm, this peacefulness, right? That a child that's been weaned and now enjoys with its mother, and that's the way that David compares his soul, right? I used to live on a, on a lake community in Texas, and, and you go and you drive by the lake on a Saturday afternoon when everybody's been in the lake with their boats and wakeboarding and, and really kind of like stirring everything up, and, and the waves are just going like this. And even if you're out at that time, you know, you're on the boat and you're like bouncing up and down and all around, but then there's times like on a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning at like 6.30 a.m. and you're driving by the lake and it's just calm. And it's peaceful, and you're just like, man, I want to pull over and just look at this for a little bit because there's just this calm about it. And that's kind of the way that David is describing his soul. Even with all that's going on in my life, like, I'm at peace, right? There is this calmness, this serenity that characterized him that when you look at his life, you're like, how is this even possible, right? So it's not related to circumstances, but it is related to what David says even before he describes his soul. Look at verse 1. He says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Right? Underneath that, point number one on your notes, realize that really anxiety comes from pride. 
right? That David is saying, hey, I'm experiencing this peace. This is what's going on in my life because my heart is not lifted up, because my eyes aren't like, hey, I got this, right? That I'm not occupying myself with things that are beyond my control. They're too great and too wonderful for, for me, right? David was not characterized by saying in his life, I got this, right? This is on me. Even when he goes and fights Goliath or he talks about killing the lion or the bear, he's really talking about what the Lord did through him, not putting his confidence in himself. He's not saying, I'm in control. I can do this. He says, you know, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for, for me. And he's not saying, well, hey, I'm just setting the bar really low, just kind of lowering my expectations, not going on. But all of these things, he, he realized that they were too wonderful for ultimately David to be in charge of, right? He wasn't trying to put himself in the driver's seat of his own life, right? Where he's saying, I got this. I know where I'm going. I'm going to take myself there. Let's do this thing. He realized that everything that's going on in his life, right, everything that's going on with his nation, everything that's going on with his family, that those are actually things that are too important, too great, too wonderful for David ultimately to be in charge of. And that's why David is experiencing this peace, is because he's realizing all of this, this is something that God needs to do. If I'm putting myself in charge of that, I'm going to be worried sick because I'm going to see the lack of my ability to actually make it happen, right? You are not really in control of your life. You're not even in control of your body, right? There could be things that happen that you don't want to happen, and yet here they are, right? We're not in the position of God, right? And so we need, in your life and in David's life, we need someone that actually has the capacity to handle it. And who is that but the Lord? Right? He is the one who is sovereign and powerful and in control and has a plan that's so much better than, than we could orchestrate it in our own lives. I mean, don't we, don't we see that in our lives, right? That there's so many times where things don't go the way that we planned and then we look back on that season of our life later on and we're like, I wouldn't change a thing. Right, because that was actually what was best for me. Like I learned so much through that. I grew through that. You, are, you see many people saying, yeah, if I could go back, I, you know, I wouldn't change a thing because that made me the way I am today. And a lot of people are boasting because of that. But David is actually saying, because I'm not proud, I have peace in my life. Right? That when I'm proud, when I'm lifting myself up, when I'm thinking high thoughts about myself, when that comes face to face with reality, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't square, right? Because I, I can't handle it, right? I don't have the ability within myself to even do everything that I want to do. And David says, because I'm not proud, I have peace, right? And so maybe there's some of us, even in the room this morning, that the reason we're not experiencing peace is because we've got high thoughts of ourselves, right? We've got low thoughts of God, high thoughts of ourselves, and that is the problem. That is the source of our anxiety. That is the source of our worry. Perhaps another situation that we could uh, illustrate, uh, if you go to Matthew chapter 8, turn over there, and you'll see this, this account of, of Jesus uh, on the sea with the disciples. And these disciples were experienced uh, fishermen. And it says in verse 23 of, of Matthew chapter 8, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves but he was asleep, talking about Jesus, right? There's this storm going on, and it's very intense, but here is Jesus, and he is conked out in the boat, 
right? He is asleep. And they went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. Like they are freaking out. Like peace, serenity, not characterizing the disciples at, at, at this moment. And he says, we are perishing. Like they're saying, don't you, don't you even care about us? And, 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 he, and they went to him and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and sea, and there was a great Right, we see even in this example uh, from the disciples' life that the cause of their worry, Jesus says, is a lack of what? It's a lack of belief. It's a lack of faith. That they are actually, they've actually stopped believing something that they needed to believe. So write this down as the second kind of dash under point number one is that anxiety comes from unbelief. Right? When we are not believing things that we desperately need to believe, we will be anxious. And maybe even two of those things that are so crucial is that we need to keep believing in God's power and his ability. Right? Like we, we need to remember who our God is. We need to remember his capacity, right? That, that he is powerful, right? Uh, go to Romans chapter 8 and we'll see this uh, illustrated uh, here as, as Paul writes to the, the church in Rome. And at the end of Romans chapter 8, uh, Paul is, is talking, and he's talking about the confidence that he has in the Lord and in the power of God's love for him. And he says in verse 39, he says that, that I'm confident um, that, or verse 38 actually, he says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There's some scary things on that list, right? Like, I mean, when you talk about depth with people that lived before submarines and, and everything like that, like, that was a very frightening thing that I would actually sink down into the depths of a body of, of water, right? Or go down into the grave or to die. But Paul says, no, because I'm confident in the Lord, right, that not even all of these things will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you have to ask yourself this morning, do you really believe that God is powerful? And not just believing it in a way that, hey, I know that's the right answer on a multiple choice Bible quiz. Yes, God is powerful. True, right? But do I really trust that in my life? Is that the truth that I'm really putting my weight on today, right? That I'm actually like stepping out onto that truth today, that I'm actually living like I believe that to be true. Right? Do you really believe that if God wants you to be safe, that you will be safe? Right? That he's able to protect you? Right? Do you, do you, uh, you know, when you can't see the future and you can't see how a situation is going to work out, do you believe that he does? Right? That he's all-knowing. He knows all things. He knows the future. He's not surprised by what happens in your life, even though you are. Do you believe that? Like, do you believe that God is powerful? Have you lost sight maybe of that truth and that's the cause of your worry because you've forgotten that God is in control, right? That he's powerful, he's able uh, to do. Maybe another truth, even if you look at, at verse 28 of Romans chapter eight, just go back a few verses and Paul writes, and we know that for those who love God, God causes all things to work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That God is good. That's another truth. Maybe write that down, right? That I need to make sure that I'm still believing that God is good, right? That I'm not up there saying, well, if God's able to do all this stuff, then why isn't he doing it for me, right? That we have to remember that God is good. And if he's not doing something that you want him to do, that's because what he's doing is better. 
What he's doing is actually more good for you than what you would choose for yourself. I mean, if you look back on your life, if you lived any amount of time at all, look at back at some of the things that you would have chosen years ago and think about where they would have led you to today and just think about that for a minute, right? Like that God actually knows better than you do and he does what he does, especially for those who are in Christ for our good, right? That all things are working together, right? That God is causing them to work together. That God cares for us like a father with his child. I want you to write down these, this verse on your notes. Write down 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Let me read that briefly for us, right? 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, where, where Peter says a very similar thing. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. And the way that you do this, the way that you humble yourself before the Lord, is casting all your anxieties on him. Why should you do that? Why should you not bear that yourself, but bring it to the Lord? Because he cares for you. Right? That the reason we can be freed from worry because we believe God is good because he cares for us. Right? That he's not just this impersonal, you know, kind of vindictive God. That he is a caring and loving God who is doing what he is doing for the good of his people and for his glory. Right? Like that's a truth that like each and every day we have to be asking ourselves like, hey, am I remembering God's power in this situation? Like if you find yourself starting to be anxious, you've got to ask yourself, am I really believing that God is able to handle this? Maybe I'm seeing that I'm not able to handle it, but, but do I trust that God's got it? Right? Do, I, do, I, do I think he's capable of this? And, and do, you know, even though I, I, things are happening in my life that I don't understand why they're happening, right? And it's not clear to me. Do I, do I understand that based on the truth of God's word that it can be clear to me? I might not know exactly. There might be a, a certain element of mystery, but God has said he's doing what he's doing for my good. Right? And so I can trust that. I can rest in that. There can be a peace even in the midst of a lot of uncertainty going on in my life. That we need to humble ourselves by casting all of our cares, these things that could cause us to worry, that could tempt us to be afraid, we need to cast them on the Lord, right? And I think that one thing that we've got to understand, turn back to Philippians chapter 4, is that in many ways anxiety is like a barometer, right? It's an indicator light on your dashboard, right? That when you find yourself worrying, when you find yourself being anxious, that it is actually indicating that your view of God is not correct, right? That you, have, you are not looking at God in the way that he really is, that you've stopped believing something that is true, or you've tried to put yourself in the place of God. And if you look at uh, chapter 4 of Philippians in verse 6, you see this command, right? That's very familiar. Many, many people even memorize, you know, starting in verse 6. But there's a phrase right before it that I think we need to look at where it says, the Lord is at hand, semicolon, did not be anxious, right? That this is kind of in the, in the context of a, of a sentence, right, where many times at the end of Paul's letters, he's like going rapid fire instruction, giving many commands about things, you know, kind of like ending the, the letter even with a barrage of things that he wants uh, people to be thinking about and doing. And in here we see that, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord. Verse 5, let your reasonableness be, be known to men, all men. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Uh, verse 8, whatever is true, think about these things, right? All, in all these commands, in the midst of this, we find this statement that the Lord is at hand, or maybe even a, another way to translate that would be that the Lord is near, 
right? That in all of these things that we need to remember that the reason we can be free from anxiety is that God is near, that God is, is real, and that he's actively working in our lives, right? This is why anxiety is such a big deal because by choosing to be anxious, you're actually choosing to say something about the Lord, right? That you're choosing to doubt that he's powerful, to say, God, I don't think that you can really do this. I don't think you can really handle this. I think my way is better than your way. Like those are the things that we're actually communicating to the Lord when we choose to be anxious, when we choose uh, to worry. And we see this pattern that God throughout scripture is wanting to remind his people of his nearness, right? You think about Joshua taking over, leading the people into the promised land from Moses, right? And in Joshua 1.5, God says to Joshua, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. There is a a connection to the strength and the courage that Joshua is supposed to have to the fact that God is with him. You think about these disciples that are so freaked out, even though Jesus is right there in the boat with him, right? Like Jesus again and again will get to it even as we proceed through uh, John, right? He says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to send the helper to be with you. He's going to be with you and in you, right? That Jesus was around them, but the Holy Spirit actually lives inside of us, right? You can't get more near than that, right? And even as he departs at the end of Matthew, a passage that we talk about all the time at this church, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, where we realize our our job is to make disciples, right? Is to see people come to know Jesus Christ and teach them to obey Jesus Christ. But but even in the the context of that statement, he says, "And, and I'm with you always even to the end of the age, right? That God is near, right? He's at hand. He's not distant, far off, too interested in something else for us to bother him about this. He hasn't fallen asleep. He's in this with you. Like he is actually walking right through this with you, right? And, and when we're being anxious, we're, we're basically like taking God and saying, hey, I, I got this, right? We're giving God the stiff arm and saying, I, I got this on my own, right? That's why anxiety is such a big deal to us as Christians, right? And this is the way, right, when we really realize who our God is, when we are not lifting our hearts high, when we're not occupying ourselves with things too great and too wonderful for us, we're free from anxiety. And even at this point, I wonder if some of you are thinking, well, what about the point when anxiety attacks? It's like a bear, right? And it just comes out of nowhere, and it, it grabs me, and it, and it gets a hold of me, right? And, and you feel like some maybe even powerless in those situations. And, and really, the point is, in that moment, right, you may not be able to control when a, a, a potentially anxious thought plops itself down on your life, but you can control what you do after that. Right, that you're actually going to make a conscious choice when that thought comes into your mind of, hey, am I going to like, let my mind keep dwelling on this? Am I, am I going to start that churning over process of just like, hey, I've, I've got no new information, but I'm just going just to think about it. I'm going to stew on it. I'm going to just let it keep marinating in my life and stirring me up to the point where I feel sick, even physically. Right? You have a choice. And if you go back to Philippians 4, the choice that we would need to make, right? this is like a two-part command. Do not be anxious about anything. That's like the don't do this side. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That there is an answer. Right, Every time that that anxious thought comes to your mind, you know exactly what to do in that moment. 
you know the choice that God wants for you to make right then and right there. And the choice is prayer, right? Like, write this down for point number two on your notes. To not be anxious about anything, pray about everything, right? You can even just write, pray about everything. Realize that the prayer is also comprehensive, comprehensive, but in everything. So in, don't be anxious in anything, right, comprehensive, but in everything comprehensive, pray, right? By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything. I think one of the reasons we're, we're anxious is we're not praying about enough things, right? Maybe even in our prayer, we've got big things and little things, right? Let's not pray about the little things. Or, or maybe we realize maybe there are some big things going on in our life, and we're anxious even today. And the question is, have you actually prayed about that? Like, have you actually cast that care on the Lord? Have you brought that to him, knowing how much he cares for you? Like, is that something you've actually done? Maybe you're, you're trying to w- shoulder that yourself, and you're, you're getting crushed underneath it. And God's like right here saying, like, bring it on. I got it. Give it to me. Right? God wants us to be coming to him in prayer often and about everything, right? In every situation, in every relationship that we have, we, we need to be praying. We probably need to be praying a lot more specifically than we are, right? There's so many things, so many situations, even just as you go throughout your day, there's going to be a lot of different situations that you encounter, a lot of different people that you interact with. Are you praying about like each one of those things? Because if you're not, you're leaving the door open for anxiety to come in as a temptation and for you to start that, that process of worrying about it, right? We're, when we're going to things, right? Like, I think that when we're on the way to something, that should be, like, just a characteristically prayerful time for us, right? Like, you're, you're driving somewhere, be praying about the situation that you're driving to, right? You're walking into a meeting at work, be praying about that, right? You're getting up and you're brushing your teeth in front of the mirror in the morning. Be praying about your day that's, that's ahead, right? And we've got to be going to the Lord about everything. And, and so often, uh, my grandmother um, grew up during a time called the Great Depression. I don't know if, if any of you have relatives that, were, uh, that, 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 were, that lived during that time. And my grandma was this, this very generous uh, lady uh, but there was something that, you know, as, as I grew up, I just be, came to understand about her is that that Great Depression mindset, she never quite got out of it, right? That in that Great Depression where everything was scarce and even through the wars that she lived through, that the conservation of valuable resources became so important that this, you know, like, hey, everything matters, right? We need to be as efficient as we can with everything. That that just kind of stayed with her throughout her life, Right? You know, things like electricity, like let's not leave lights on that we don't need to. Things like the cool air in the refrigerator. It's like, man, you've got to have like a schematic of the fridge in your mind that you can just open the door and get it, and, and that, that my grandma would be satisfied. But if you're trying to find something or if you're lingering too long, she's going to let you know about it, right? The, the thing that I, I think I, I always kind of chuckled about a little bit was Kleenex, Right, that my grandmother expected me to be able to get six blows out of every, you know, Kleenex tissue, and I tried. Like, let's be honest, I have endeavored to do this, and, and like four is my max. Like, I don't, I don't think that's actually possible, Grandma, Grandma Blakey. And one other thing that she would always do uh, is that, like, you know, we could be not in a drought at, at my grandma's house, but you really get one shower token a day, 
right? Like, you know, there's not an actual token, but your limit is one to the point where like Thanksgiving comes around, everybody's getting into town. There's actually like uncles of mine that will choose to stay at a hotel so that they can take more than one shower in, in a day, right? That there's no limit to the shower tokens at the hotel, but they feel like we were being rationed at the house a little bit. Even if there's no drought, we just had a lot of rain, everything's good. And we got to realize that there's no limit to how many times we can go to the Lord. Right? There, there's, no, there's no, like, hey, you came to me about something yesterday, so let's wait a couple days, and then you can bring something else. Do you realize that, you know, if, if you maybe have 500 different times where a potentially anxious thought comes into your life, you realize you can go to God every single one of those 500 times? Right? Like, you never exhaust the amount of times that he's right there wanting you to come to him, wanting you to cast that care about him, to, to go to him in prayer and, and, and ask right? To let your requests be made known to God. That doesn't mean that that request is necessarily going to be answered in the way that you want it to, but that's where you offload that, where you say, God, I'm going to bring this to you, and I'm going to put it in your hands, right? That's something too great and too wonderful for me to occupy myself with. I need to give it to you. I need to pray about it. I need to ask you about it. And the way that we pray is very important because he says, with thanksgiving, right? That it's not like we just bring all of our anxious worries to the Lord and we do that and we just keep doing that and we don't forget what he does with that, right? That in our lives, we need to cultivate this like awareness of what God is doing so that every time we're going to him in prayer and maybe there's even an anxious thought on our mind that we're also remembering how good he was to us yesterday, right? Like, God, you showed me your power in such an amazing way when I was asking you two days ago and so now when I'm going to you, it's like, man, I, I, I really think this is gonna happen. I, 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 it helps insulate me from that unbelief that would say, I don't know if God can really do this. I don't know if he's really good enough because I'm cultivating that heart that's looking back at all that God has done and saying, man, isn't he just going to keep being who he is in the future? Why shouldn't I just expect that to keep going down in my life, that I'm going to continue to see God's goodness throughout my life? If we're going to choose not to be anxious, that choice is also the choice to pray about everything in our, our lives, right? That that's what we've got to do. And so maybe even this week, right? Maybe even this afternoon or, or tomorrow morning, maybe you need to sit out uh, just a piece of paper on the, on the table in front of you and, and list maybe in one column all of the things that you could be tempted to worry about, right? All the things that are coming up this week or maybe even things that you're already worrying about, right? That you say, God, I don't want to stop worrying about this. And you need to match up all of those with, hey, am I, what am I doing with the Lord about this? Am I, am I going to the Lord and letting my requests be made known to him in this specific situation? Have I prayed about this specific thing? And, and maybe I pray about it, and then you know, two hours later, that thought kind of pops back into my brain. Do I, do I bring it back to the Lord at that point? Do I keep on just, hey, every time that's going to come to me, I'm just going to, I've got that, that well-worn path to the Lord in prayer that I'm just going to him so quickly and bringing those things to him that that just becomes like muscle memory. It just becomes like a knee-jerk reaction that when something unexpected or intense comes up in my life, that I'm bringing it to the Lord in prayer, just right, right away. And that's what we're commanded to do. That's what you realize, you need to realize is not an option for you as a Christian, right? Like it's not an option for us to just be praying like before our meals. That's like, like disobedient to the Lord if we're not bringing everything to him in prayer. It doesn't mean that like, hey, we need to spend like 22 of our 24 hours in the day, you know, like out loud in prayer. Like these can just be quick things. Like God knows what you're going through. Right? You don't have to explain the situation to him. He's aware 
of the situation, right? He's more aware of it actually than you are, right? So just bring those things to him. Even if it's, even if it's short, saying, God, I, I'm, I'm tempted to be anxious about this. Help me. I, I trust you. I want, would you just do your, your will that I know is good in this situation and help me to trust you in that. Like, let's keep doing that. Even if we have to do that 500 times in a day, do that. Do that. And, and let's look at what is going to happen when we do that. Right? If we do that, right, if we're not being anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we're letting our requests be made known to God. Look at the promise. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, look at this. This peace of God, it surpasses all understanding. That's the point that Paul wants to make clear. This is not kind of like the I'm on vacation without my cell phone on a beach, and I have peace. Like, we can comprehend that. I can understand that. Yeah, that does look pretty peaceful. Yeah, I can understand that. This is not that kind of peace. It's a peace that's so much bigger and richer than that. It's actually like people in this world, they can't comprehend it. How could all of this be going on in your life, and yet you're calm? Like, this isn't rattling you like it rattles other people. Why is that? Right? It's because this peace comes from God. It's not a peace that we manufacture our ourselves it's the peace of god that will rule our hearts that 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 surpasses all understanding it it defies logic it defies even what what science would say to us about what is possible with our bodies right i shouldn't be able to experience this peace right now but right now my soul is like a weaned child my soul is like a weaned child on its mother's lap right now and it shouldn't be It should be fussy. It should be agitated. It should be going all over the place. But because of the nearness of my God and because I'm bringing things to him in prayer, it's not. The peace of God, right? And it says this peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it says that this peace is actually going to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This peace is actually going to be like a watchman. It's actually going to be like a fortress of peaceitude, right, that you are going to be like placed into, that it's going to be like a hedge around you, that as you're bringing things to the Lord, that God is going to be faithful to like keep you in that, right? And as you, as they maybe pop up again and you bring it to the Lord, like God is going to be faithful to guard your heart and mind. Like he's going to guard your thoughts. He's going to guard your affections. He's going to be faithful to his end of the bargain to guard you. Right? And, and how sweet is that? I don't know if you've experienced this, right? But when you experience this in your life and you're like, I don't know what's going on right now, but I'm bringing it to the Lord in prayer and there's this calm, there's this peace. And you're like, this surpasses understanding. Like, it is sweet, my friends. Like, you should desire that peace and it is possible and you should know it. Like, this isn't a, well, if you do this, then maybe you'll level up to this level of peace. Right? Maybe it'll happen, like if the circumstances are just right, you'll experience it. No, like if you do this, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That is a promise that God will be 100% faithful to fulfill. Like that's what you will experience if you do what God commands you to do. Right? And that's something that's so far beyond what this world has to offer. No medication is going to offer you that. That kind of guarantee, right? Well, maybe you'll be part of the 33% that it kind of helps out a little bit, right? That's a, that's a pretty puny guarantee compared to the guarantee of our God that he makes in this, in this text, right? And so point number three on our notes is that we need to expect, expect God's promise to be true. 
You need to be expecting that. You need to be going in, believing and trusting that this is what God tells me to do and this is what he says is going to happen when it happens, right? And if at the moment you're not feeling it, you got to remember that some things are true even when we don't feel them to be true, right? You could be in an impenetrable fortress and not feel safe when you actually are safe, right? Your feelings are not the barometer of what's true. What God has said is the barometer of what's true, right? This peace, this freedom from anxiety, though I feel like I almost need to put a disclaimer on this last point, is that it it guards your hearts and your minds, and it, it adds this phrase, which is very, very important, in Christ Jesus, Right? And, and I think that for many people, maybe they've even heard this, this verse to be true, and they're like, I don't, I don't buy that. I haven't seen that. I prayed about this, and it didn't happen. Uh, but really, this peace that we get guarded in that surpasses understanding is a peace that exists in Christ Jesus, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because here's the deal, right? If you don't have peace with God, you're never going to experience peace in your life. Right? There might be little stretches where you feel peace for a little while, but ultimately there is no peace. Right? If you were to turn to Isaiah 59.2, or just write this verse down on your notes, Isaiah 59.2 says that your, your sins, right? Isaiah talking to the nation of Israel, your sins have made a separation between you and God. That in all of our lives, there does not exist peace between us and and God, right? That this peace that comes from God being near, right? That's not the way we start off in our life. We don't start off near to the Lord. Like our sins have separated us to where we're like far away, right? Like he's omnipresent, but as far as this nearness, this relational nearness, we don't get that at the beginning. Like that's something that has to be granted to us. That's something that we need to be actually saved and placed into Jesus Christ so that we can experience this peace. Write down Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If that verse is not true of you, you will not experience peace in your life, right? Because the true peace, if you don't have peace with God, you're never going to know peace in your circumstances, right? If, if you don't have that confidence that you are the Lord's and that through that he is causing all things to work together for your good, Right, then you're, not, you're going to be anxious. You're going to be worrying all the time. Right? There won't be peace in your life. And here's what Jesus does. Right? When someone becomes a Christian, they get placed into Jesus Christ. So the death that Jesus died now is applied to them to where all of God's punishment for our sins was poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. And then when he was raised to life, we are given life. We are given a new life where we're set free from sins like anxiety, right? That they are no longer our master, that we can look an anxious thought in the face and say no to it. We can make a different choice than it wants us to make. We can make the choice that God wants us to make. And when God gives us new life, he gives us a new relationship with himself where, where now it's like, you know, God is, is, is like a judge that I, I don't feel any relational closeness to, but now God is a loving father who cares about me and longs for me to come to him and ask him, for things. And, and when someone gets this life in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is what they want more than anything else. And I love singing that song, Coronation, right? About the day when we're going to be with the Lord and we're going to be in his presence and we're going to see him reigning and ruling with outside the presence of sin. Like that's a day that I am longing for. 
right? And, and, and if you have that, if you have that life, if you're in Christ Jesus, then the most important thing, the thing that is fundamental to your security, your safety, your joy, your happiness is Jesus Christ. And if you're in Jesus Christ, then nothing is going to be able to separate you from that, right? That when your joy is all wrapped up in Jesus Christ, right, nothing's going to take that away from you. No circumstance, no person, right? Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Even some things that, that, that is, appear to be very, very strong can't separate you, right? You will know this peace if you're wrapped up in Jesus Christ, if God is near, if you're near to him because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. So, t- so today, you gotta take an honest look at your life and say, hey, am, am I being anxious? Right? And maybe you've even tried uh, to be free from anxiety and maybe some of you have realized that you're not able to yet. Right? That it really does still have a grip on you. If you come to Jesus Christ and you turn away from your life of sin and you ask him to save you and you put your trust in him, he will do it. Right? And he will give you one of the many blessings that he gives is this kind of peace that surpasses understanding. Right? Like how is this even possible? Well, it's because of Jesus Christ. It's because of what he's done with us, for us that now we have peace with God and I know what he's planned. I, I know what the future holds. I don't know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day, but I know where I'm going when I die. I know what God's up to right now, even though the workings of it are, are beyond me, beyond what I could orchestrate. It's actually too wonderful for me to be in charge of, but I trust the one who is in charge of it. Is that what you're experiencing in your life today? Because you can experience that. If you know Jesus Christ, this is a promise that is true for you, that God wants you to walk in obedience and know this peace. And that's just going to overflow more joy and more thanksgiving to the Lord as you walk in this peace day by by day, that that things that that derail other people, they can't derail you because Jesus Christ has got you. He's guarding you in Christ Jesus. That's what God has offered to us. That's the freedom from anxiety that we can enjoy. Let's pray and thank God for that. Lord, I do thank you, God. We want to offer that prayer with thanksgiving, Lord, that so many of us in this room that we have experienced these verses to be true, God, that even though we weren't at peace with you, God, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to make peace when we couldn't make peace, that he died the death that we deserved and he rose again so that we could be given new life. And God, you want that new life to be a free life, free from the power of sin, free from its, uh, its hold on us, God. And I just pray for, for maybe some who came in this morning, God, that they came in and anxiety had them in its grip. Lord, I, I pray that they would see how they can be set free, Lord, and that they would walk in that freedom today. Lord, I pray for all of us that know you, that this would just cause us to give you even more praise and glory, that when you paid it all, you set us free. So God, we want to give you the praise for the peace that we have been given in Jesus Christ, even now, today. To you be the glory. And everyone said, amen.